Welcome to Staffing Stories, hosted by Andy Moss. Andy has been in the staffing industry for over 25 years, first as a recruiter, then eventually an account manager and business owner. This is the podcast where we sit down with fellow staffing owners to get the real stories of the successes, the failures, and the lessons learned along the way. Welcome back to Staffing Stories. I'm your host, Andy Moss, and I really did not know how much I missed doing these being out for the last couple of months, but I am loving back um, in this uh, interview stage. And I've got a special guest with us, Miss Anna Frazetto, and she is an author, chief res- revenue officer, a lot of initials after your name with Air Swift. So I am ecstatic to be able to talk to you. Well, thank you so much, Andy. It's great to be here. I'm looking forward to our conversation. Well, just so the listeners and and viewers can just get to know you, just kind of fill us in about who you are and kind of what you're responsible for. Sure. So I'm with uh, AirSwift, as you mentioned. I'm the chief revenue officer there. And um, my role is really to uh, help drive uh, revenue for the organization on a global landscape. So it's it's a pretty easy job. <laughs> yeah, it's a very small responsibility. Right, right. And uh, you're located where? So I am located um, in the New York area. Okay. Well, um, this, you know, when I think of leaders and organizations and, you know, think it through and guests that I want to have on this, your background is very diverse when it comes to marketing sales and technology that's it's, it's kind of all encompassing because now a lot of companies are using tech to help drive all that so kind of walk us through your history of like how did you get to where you're at now i know it's so funny i think i was in denial for a good period of time that i was in the staffing industry until finally i realized no you are in the staffing industry uh, I started off, I, I was a tech, I mean, I graduated from, from uh, college with a um, Bachelor of Science. I was a developer programmer. That's how I started. I was in the tech space. Okay. And, yeah. And then funny enough, a great mentor, one of my, my uh, managers uh, came to me and said, you know, you really, you really have an extroverted personality, which is atypical yeah. for a technologist. We want to get you in front of clients and uh, to kind of explain our platform. And that was my hook. Like I fell in love with that part of it. And so then slowly, as my friends still to this day accuse me of joining the dark side, I got more and more involved on the sales side of the organization. But I'll tell you, I wouldn't change a thing, right? Because I think my tech background actually really helped me a lot to really be relatable Yep. to the clients and I could understand what they were going through, what their roadmap was, how to plan for the future. So um, I love being part of the staffing industry. Well, you can also relate to how they think, you know, their process, you know, most developers are process driven individuals. So um, you're trying to fix that. You're trying to help that process along. Exactly. Exactly. Well, um, and 
you know, staffing is, we, like I've said this in many of the podcasts, we don't go to college to be in the staffing and recruiting industry, but a lot of the social aspects of college help us in what we do today, you know, building relationships, relating with people, um, fraternities, sororities, athletics. I mean, that, that I see why we recruit out of those areas in college. Absolutely. You know, I, I'll tell you, it's the fundamentals that you learn. Um, I have a nephew and nieces that are in the age of either looking for a job or currently working. And I keep talking to them about the staffing industry because, again, in college, they don't necessarily tell you about that there's this whole sector out there uh, that could possibly be a great fit for what they might want to do with their future. I think recruitment you know, of course, I probably sound like I drank the Kool-Aid and I'm a big, you know, fan. But I do think that, you know, the power of, of recruitment and sales really just makes you such an incredibly strong salesperson because you're dealing, you're not selling a can of soup, right? Yeah. You're selling a service and, and people are, you know, unpredictable, and you kind of deal with those challenges. So I, I think it's a great place to start your foundation and evolve as an individual. I've always told tell my young sales reps that if you can sell a human, you can sell anything <laughs> because the, your product has a brain and they may or may not want to do what you want it to do. So there's not much that has that. So it's, it's, it's a hard sell. But again, if we can do it, you can sell anything. Exactly. What what excites you in our industry when you look at the next 12 months and even the past 12 months um, it, with anything, sales, marketing, tech? I mean, what excites you? I have to tell you, we are, I would think, in the most exciting times. And the reason why I say this is if you take a look at what's happening in the tech space, especially with the evolution of artificial intelligence. Mm -hmm. And I know that there's fear associated with it, but honestly, I really think it is going to grow our industry's leaps and bounds, just from the efficiencies that we can get from the technology and from using AI. And, and we're already doing this, right? Yeah. Using artificial intelligence to be able to make that better placement, make that better match with, with a potential client help satisfy their needs and do it in a more proactive fashion as opposed to just reacting yep. to requirements that are coming in. Uh, again, I think it's super exciting times and not just for the staffing industry, but ac across the globe as far as what's happening. I know that there's a little bit of concern with economic uncertainty, mm -hmm. but honestly, I really do feel that that's like a little bit of a blip. Uh, I think with some of the trends and how things are moving in the positive, I only see growth in the future. Well, it's also, we've been through, I've been through three recessions. I'm sure you've been through that. I mean, it's like, okay, it's, it is a blip. We're going to go through it, but we grow out of that and not be afraid of it. it it's just a process we have to get through. Um, I personally think, I mean, at, with the deficiency of um, talent, we're in, we're probably in the strangest re recession we've ever been in because <laughs> employment hasn't been hit too, too hard, at least where we're at. And that, uh, you know, I'm in the tech market, you know, skilled trades market. So it's, uh, um, you know, we're very, very busy, but I do see where 
AI is coming fast and furious and you have to embrace it. If you're not going to embrace it, you're going to be left behind. And that is that requires a lot of, you know, knowledge gaining, you know, trying to talk to other experts in our industry of like, what are you doing? What are we doing? I mean, because it's going to enhance our business, but you you can't just push it off to the sides like I'm not going to adopt that. Exactly. And we you know, it's interesting at AirSwift, we've been kind of uh, in the space before it became popular. Right. And that's what you need to do so that you start developing the skill set and the expertise. And then you can sit in a role of being able to help your clients through it and help kind of roadmap as far as what's the impact, how how do we work kind of through this and how do we use it to our benefit. Uh, and that's the exciting part, I think, is that we're at a point where we could be in a driver's seat with our clients in being able to provide that guidance and that help and that, you know, trusted advisor role, yeah. which is the role that you want to be in with your clients. So when we talk to our customers, you know, um, they want to see talent. Um, they don't necessarily want to always call, hey, I'm looking for this. They expect us to know their industry and what what they like. I mean, that's what we are as a trusted advisor. So, you know, at 3D IQ, we're trying to produce, you know, talent pools for customers that are that fit their need versus waiting on the call to take a requirement like a, like you're going through the drive through. Um, what we as an industry have to do better of providing top talent to top customers that fit their need that they have needs for or may not. So I think that's where AI is going to jump in and try to help think through. Agreed. A hundred percent. I think the one thing that's actually kind of happened is remember when um, VMSs hit the, hit the staffing industry and, and the whole MSP concept and everybody thought, oh my goodness, this is it. They're commoditizing it. You know, there's no more value in staffing. It's like selling, you know, a can of soup, right? Yep. And and we're so past that, which is great because VMSs, MSPs, they have a place. It helps actually create efficiencies in the whole process of how you're getting the candidates to the client and the interview process. But the reality, as far as the, the strategy and that trusted advisor role, more than ever, it's important for you as an organization to have that seat at the table yep. to be able to have that conversation. Absolutely. So you've had a lot of success in your career um, to get to where you're at. If you're a little bit vulnerable with us, what, what mistakes have you made that you've learned from or, you know, you went down this path that didn't work that you may want to share? Oh, my goodness. Of course, there's more than just one mistake. <laughs> <laughs> you want my book? It's back here. I've got <laughs> I don't, we don't have enough time. Um, you know, it, it, I think it's, um, well, actually, I'll, I'll share a, a couple of stories. I think the one time um, we were working on this uh, uh, RFK, this bid process, and what wound up happening was we um, presented the wrong pricing. So the pricing that we had included in the bid back to the client actually um, was our internal costs, cost. right? 
So we never, we never, we never put the right column that had the markups and all that good stuff. Of course, now we can all sit and chuckle like, oh my God, how did you do that? How did it get out the door without, you know, we had so many checks and balances, but as you can imagine, a lot of times during an RFP process, you have tight schedules and things are just like rushing to go out the door. And I remember having the conversation with my CEO at the time. And I have to tell you, I still get a chill up and down my back when I had to sit there and explain to him that, oh, we have a small problem here that we need to kind of rectify with the client. And had that conversation. Of course, it did not go well. And, you know, my um, I think I had the finger in the face where it's like, you fix it. Okay. All right. So I'm going to fix it now. I'm thinking, what do I do? I have to, I'm sitting with my team who's completely crushed about what happened, all this work, and we're thinking, that's it. It's out the window because yeah. what the client is going to just like throw out the bed. I decide, I take the trip. The client was out in Long Island. I take the, the car ride by myself. I go, I'm like, I got to do this alone. I sit with the client and I just decided to be very honest. Yeah, transparent. And, 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 you know, I said, what's the worst that can happen? I mean, if I'm going to lose the bid, I might as well just tell the truth. And yeah. so I sat and it was this, this gentleman, uh, Leon, I'll never forget. And, and he could see that I'm not my normal, happy chipper self as I'm talking to him. And I said, I, I got a true confession. I got to tell you what happened. And I explained the whole thing. I said, listen, you know, tight timelines. And I know it's, it's such an incredible mistake, but that's the wrong pricing. Like we, we have to pull that back. We can't go forward with that. He closes the, uh, this is the time where you're submitting like, you know, a binder, the bid is that big, right? He closes and he's like, Anna, take it back, fix it and just bring it back to me. And and you know, when you want to over explain, because you think like that went too easy. Like how did that, you know, so I drive back and I explain it and my, um, the CEO at the time was shocked that I actually was able to get around it. But the valuable lesson learned, and I sat down with my team at the time, is being honest and being transparent and being vulnerable. Yeah. He felt my pain. He knew that this was like, it did not go over well with my CEO. And he immediately had, you know, empathy for me and... He's like, we, it's a problem. We could fix it. Yeah. And I, I tell my reps, it's like, there is nothing that I can't get you out of or help you with as long as you're honest. It, right. It, if you're dishonest or morals take a side turn, I said, I can't help you, but we can fix most things. If we just like, Hey, this is what, but I have to know. And it's great that you, you know, say, Hey, I did make this mistake, but um, you know, young talent in our industry these days always want to have success, but man, you're going to get hit right in the chops in our business. And it, it, you better be able to take a punch. Oh yeah. And you know, and the thing is um, it's okay to say you don't know something. It's okay to to show, um, you know, fear or um, vulnerability. I think that's the one you said transparent. And I think that sums it up. Be transparent with your clients. Um, so you're very, very involved with women in tech, women in our industry, which I admire so much. What I think in the last, probably the last five to 10 years, I've seen this 
you know, a lot of great sales reps, a lot of great talent in our industry is female. And um, it's not a male driven like back kind of when I started, it was a very male driven business. Um, but what, what what do you attribute that to? I think great uh, mentors and allies along the way. I mean, I know I could speak to my career. I, I never felt, even though I was the only woman in a room, I never felt like I was the only woman in a room because I felt that I had the support that I needed from, from the room, from the mentors, yeah. from my allies. I also was kind of taught, you know, from my dad um, early on uh, to, I'm the oldest of an immigrant, like my parents migrated to this country and I'm the oldest, I'm first generation here. And so I didn't have anybody to go to, right, yeah. to ask. Like I didn't have a brother or a sister or an older cousin or anything like that. So I kind of learned early on that it's okay to go to your manager and, and ask, like, you want to improve something, you know, help me out. Or how do I yeah. get to the next level? Or how do I get promoted? And to seek people out to kind of help you along the way. And I have to say that that is the secret sauce to success. I think that's why we're seeing the shift in the mixture of male, female, and also uh, the full umbrella of diversity um, differences. The one thing that I worry about when I interview young talent coming out of college is their confidence. And I don't know what has destroyed that the last several years, but I am talking to a lot of guys and girls that are just not confident. They're, they're not that they, they want to be told what to do. I mean, be willing to make a mistake, get it, get it out there. I mean, I are know. you seeing that as well? Or is that something that I'm just kind of feeling? No, no, I, I'm seeing that. And I'm also seeing the polar opposite where there's, it, and it's a smaller percentage where they start working and they feel entitled that they should have, you know, like more money, greater title, whatever. So let me, I, I think there's a couple of interesting points. The big difference from when you and I were kind of, you know, early on in our careers is the impact of social media. Yeah. I, I, I feel the impact of social media, what's happened is um, there's a constant comparison of what the ideal world is right yeah. so you need to be uh you need to look a certain way you need to dress a certain way you need to uh, do certain activities you need to you know um uh it, it's like this false sense of what you should be as a person and, and what i'm starting to see is that i agree with you that they're it's it's eating away at their confidence if you think about it when uh, i know i could speak to when i was young I mean, I was, you know, your typical awkward teenager, not to mention being first generation of Italian parents. I didn't dress like anybody else. Yeah. I ate food that smelled funny. You know, like I was the kid that was bringing provolone cheese to school. I mean, not a good picture, right? And But yet, I, it didn't bother me. It didn't phase me to yeah. be different because um, I, I wasn't being compared to anybody else. Like I had a circle of friends we were all kids of immigrant parents. We're all and, awkward. 
Right. And we're all awkward and we kind of like drew together from, from that perspective. So, but now if you think about it, you go on Instagram or you're on Snapchat or whatever, um, you're constantly being compared to something and, um, that eats away at your confidence. I think that has such a negative impact. It either does that or it creates a monster where somebody thinks that, well, you know, according to this, I'm bigger and better than everybody else. I've had conversation with people in my own family where they feel that because they haven't gotten a raise in six months that they need to start, you know, going elsewhere. And I'm like, whoa, slow your roll here. Yeah, I'd that, I, yeah I'm like, I'd, sometimes I'd rather rein someone in than have to like poke them. Okay, you got, you know, let, let's think for yourself, be willing to make a mistake. It's okay, you know. Go 110%. But I'm just starting to see these things that concern me. You know, I've got got a 20-year-old, twin 18-year-olds, all in college, and i got a five-year-old. So it's like, it, you know, boys and then the little girl. So it's, I want to instill in her confidence. And, you know, she's way confident. But it's, that's, I, you know, it's, um concerning but i'm glad you recognize it as well and several people i've talked to recognize it and um but you know i know we've talked here for a little bit what um words of encouragement would you tell a a young executive with you that is um you know moving up the ranks what would you tell him or her you know i i think it's a good idea to um you know be confident but have it backed with facts yeah. Right. So be confident in what you're doing, what your goals are, but make sure you have the fact it's not an emotional confidence. Right. Not that there's anything wrong with that. But from a business perspective, as a young executive, you want to make sure you have the facts that kind of back you up along the way. The other thing I would say is focus. <laughs> Sounds so simple. Right. But but gain the focus, almost have a little bit of tunnel vision in your goals in what you're setting as kind of where you want to be next it's so easy to be distracted and to get pulled in so many different directions and i think a lot of times you need to kind of recognize that a little bit and almost hit the pause button a little thing that i do is every friday i self-reflect on the week that's passed and then i start thinking about the following week but what it does is it keeps me grounded Mm-hmm. and focused on on my goals right and my team's goals and how do i drive the organization right so it's like it's like hitting that pause button so that you can take you know kind of like level set as to where you are great great we're gonna end on that that was great knowledge and i always try to end on like what if you're watching a streaming program right now um, Amazon, Netflix, Disney. What what's your show of choice? Oh my goodness, Ted Lasso, hands down. <laughs> you're, uh, you're like the fifth person that said that. Oh, it, Ted Lasso. Ted Lasso, it's it's amazing. I almost feel like every salesperson and recruiter out there, it should be like homework that they need to watch the three seasons of Ted Lasso because um there's so many valuable lessons. You know, there's one thing about like being curious as a salesperson, that that's your root, that's your foundation. You need to be curious, ask the questions, right? Understand the client, listening, believing, 
Uh, again, fabulous show. That's okay. So everybody's homework is you need to subscribe to Apple TV and get Ted Lasso. Right. I think we should get a cut from Apple yeah, TV. Yeah. <laughs> All the viewers. Yes. Anna, thank you so much for taking time this morning to talk to us. And I really appreciate it. Excellent. Thank you so much, Andy. All right. Thanks for tuning into the episode. Staffing Stories is brought to you by 3DIQ. We are the future of staffing sales. Our solutions are designed to supercharge your sales and 3X placements, all without ever leaving Bullhorn. Direct market, deliver talent, and drive sales with our all-in-one tool designed for the modern recruiter. Visit 3DIQ.com backslash stories to learn more. Find Staffing Stories on LinkedIn, YouTube, or wherever you listen to podcasts.